Hi, everybody. The Complex PTSD Guy here. I'll start out by saying I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist. I'm just a guy living with complex PTSD, and I'm sharing my own ideas, experiences, and opinions on this podcast. I wanted to mention a few of the differences, or maybe a better way of saying it would be a few of the additional symptoms that you would see in complex PTSD versus PTSD. So I'm going to list six things here. One of them, um, so there's three of these are things that you could experience, whether you have PTSD or complex PTSD. Those three are re-experiencing the trauma, avoiding uh, possible situations where there's trauma, and having a sense of threat. So those are things that whether you have PTSD or complex PTSD, you're going to experience most likely. But with complex PTSD, it's a little bit more complex, right? It's longer term and there's more things that can develop. And I think also because with complex PTSD, you you deal with things, I think a lot from my own experience and just things I've read, there's a lot more of the long-term emotional manipulation that goes on with complex PTSD, whereas maybe in regards to PTSD, an emotionally abusive person could impact you, but it might be like a one-time thing, but you still have PTSD from it, right? Um, Whereas with complex version, you're going to have um, a long-term person in a way bullying you manipulatively Um, there's just going to be more of this sort of a long-term suffering that's going on. That's really affecting you. It's a, it's really affecting your, your, just your ability to look at yourself in a healthy way, your ability to just function. And a lot of times this starts at a young age, right? With complex PTSD. Um, so it's, you know, long-term trauma, usually kind of stemming out of childhood, But in particular, there's three particular things that I've noticed whenever I read about this. So three things that might, you might have as symptoms for complex PTSD that you might not, if it's just PTSD, are interpersonal disturbances, negative self-concept, and affect dysregulation. And in regards to one of them, I want to focus on affect dysregulation. And that's basically an impaired ability to regulate and tolerate negative emotional states. So for example, mood shifts, having thoughts of hurting yourself, angry outbursts, substance abuse, um, running towards substances. These are all examples of um, basically not being able to regulate your, your emotion, regulate like your state of mind. So examples of ways that you can regulate or maybe ways that people who don't struggle with these things and don't have, don't come from long-term trauma, they might already have it as children or teenagers, is they would already have a sense of grounding, like a grounding technique. Like we might use a grounding technique now, but they already had a sense of like a healthy grounding. And breathing exercises are another example of a positive way to regulate your emotions and mindfulness. So grounding techniques, breathing exercises, and mindfulness are three solutions, I would say. And in regards to affect dysregulation, I wanted to point out one specific aspect of that 
which is, um, so I mentioned mood shifts, thoughts of hurting yourself, angry outbursts. Um, another one that I had seen on TV just recently on a, I guess you could call this a reality show or documentary almost was, um, numbing yourself. So emotional numbness. And that's really more of what I want to talk about. So I wanted to explain how I got to that point. Um, you know, in regards to the symptoms and affect dysregulation, an aspect of that can be emotional numbness. And I was, it's definitely something I would say I've done before. Um, and in regards to the way that I did it, mine did involve substances, um, involved alcohol mostly. And I would say that that was just a way to do it. And also, I would also say probably in a way isolating relates very well to this because if you're isolating, you're just, you're not dealing with anything, right? You're, you're isolating. You're just wanting it to stay away. Um, and you're not dealing with anything. So I, I talked about this in the last couple podcasts. I talked about the importance of taking your time with things and really processing things and just not rushing it. So, you know, if you're avoiding and avoiding and avoiding and isolating, and then you finally decide to deal with something, it's like I said before, it's kind of like when they have that therapist on that show Hoarders and they show them with the hoarder and they want them to process actually going through the items in their home and deciding why they want to get rid of something or they don't. And the therapist talks to them about it because they have to process it and realize it's okay to let it go. Like it's okay to not have so much stuff. They don't need to hold on to it. The therapist, that's the key point in the whole show is when that therapist has that conversation with them while they are getting rid of it. Cause I had seen an episode recently and this was probably one of the more stubborn scenarios where there was a woman who she was a hoarder and her daughter had stopped talking to her for several years um, because the daughter had been, you know, through just awfulness in this scenario there. Um, And the, the mom, the therapist was trying to work with the mom and the mom just would make a lot of excuses in order to not have to do anything herself. And she would have the workers, the people helping clean up the home, just clean it up for her. Like, yeah, yeah, just get it done. Um, you know, because she was just too tired to do it. And really, she could have done it, but that was just her way of getting out of it. And the therapist was really worried, saying she's so emotionally numb. She's not going to process any of this, and she'll probably just continue doing it. Once these people have cleaned up her home, she'll just re-hoard the home. And so... Eventually, after I think it took a couple days, but eventually, you know, they were on a time limit here with the show. It's usually just a 48-hour situation. Um, I think by the second day, uh, she was finally able to get this woman to break out of that numbness and actually go through items and decide, okay, yes, this can go. Um, I'll keep this. And she actually repaired a little bit. Her daughter came there to help her after they hadn't spoken for a long time her daughter had heard about this you know the show coming there and wanting to help her and the daughter really did want her to get better um 
And so the mom actually let the daughter have a few items the daughter was wanting because at first she wasn't letting her have anything. Um, And really it was just out of spite in a way. But then eventually she just kind of opened up and let the daughter have something in it. It was a really big deal because the mom was just so numb and she just, um, I think she just almost kind of lost the ability to kind of care. Um, but I think that that's what numbness does. So like for me with isolating or like, you know, I've talked to you guys about binge drinking before. Um, a lot of that is, is a, what is a form of numbness. Um, and I, I don't think that I've ever had a counselor say that to me, even when I used to talk about drinking with my the therapist who diagnosed my complex PTSD, she always used to say she thought I was self-medicating. And I don't really like that term, I think because I don't quite understand it. It's when I think self-medicating, I don't like the, I don't, I guess I don't quite understand precisely what they're saying. But if, if she were to have said to me, you're numbing yourself, that would have made a lot more sense to me because self-medicating just sounds, it sounds, it sounds confusing to me. I don't know why, but, um, if someone were to say you're numbing and that's a, a result of affect dysregulation and affect dysregulation is a symptom of complex PTSD, you know, unique from PTSD, um, and these are some other examples of affect dysregulation, mood shifts, thoughts of hurting yourself, anger, outbursts, substance abuse, um, you know, because substance abuse f- fits in there. Um, if they were to say you're you're numbing, you're numbing yourself, um, I think that that would have made more sense. And so I, I wanted to share this with you guys because when I saw this woman doing this on the show, and I don't remember what season it was or what episode it was of Hoarders, but they do it a lot on that show. There's a lot of people on there. It's easy to find every season. Somebody's numbing. They're emotionally numb. And it's not until they actually sit down and take the time to work something out and really talk about, you know, and and release it. Like they're releasing something. Um just kind of like coping with something. Like I told you guys recently, I'd gone to talk to my therapist and I talked to her about some things that were very, very personal to me. And I was very embarrassed to share them. It had to do with relationships and money. And I was very, very embarrassed. I didn't want to talk about it. There are things I never share with my personal friends. Um, But I opened up about them to her and I'm so glad I did because after I opened up about them, it was like releasing. So like I gave the scenario of, you know, going through these items and releasing something and realizing it's not a big deal, as big of a deal as we thought. Because when I was talking to this therapist about relationships and money, I actually kind of laughed at um, how silly it sounded. And because she reminded me, well, this, those are things everybody deals with. Um, everybody deals with that stuff. But if you're isolating and you're embarrassed so you're never sharing certain things or communicating with people about certain things you're not going to get a different perspective of it you're just going to hold on to whatever's in your head like whatever horrible catastrophic scenario you have going on in your head about the situation um, for me you know relationships and money I was just holding on to like the worst case scenario rather than actually experiencing anything 
Um, and that would be numbness if you're just not experiencing anything. Um, so I really wanted to kind of point that out that I think emotional numbness is a, a huge, huge part of one of the main symptoms of complex PTSD. And if you don't just take the time to maybe deal with something or talk about something or handle something, um, you know, it can just, it just festers. And if you're numb, you're not experiencing anything. Um, you know, it, it doesn't lead anywhere good. So I wanted to kind of share some of that. This is the complex PTSD guy signing off.